What's up, KD Time friends? Welcome back to another episode of KD Time, your sometimes weekly podcast with everything you need in a podcast. I talk movies, I talk music, I talk about books, learning, loving, everything, sports, all of it, culture, food, everything. Okay, I talk about everything on this podcast and I enjoy podcasting, it's so much fun. And in this episode, I get the opportunity to talk to a 911 dispatcher who has amazing stories and just listen to the way he speaks. He speaks with such a calming way. It's so awesome. And I was so happy and thankful to have him on the show. His name is Ricardo Martinez, and he had an amazing journey from when he started being a 911 dispatcher to now running a podcast and doing something completely different with his life. Um, But it all started with that. And he tells us how he gets to where he is today. And we talk a little bit about his book that he wrote, Imagine Listening. And we talk about his work and the movement that he created, basically. And it was a great conversation and I can't wait for you guys to hear what he has to say about everything. So that's coming up right now. Don't go anywhere. If you are listening and if you enjoy listening to Katie time, please subscribe and share this with everyone that you know. That'd be great. Here it comes. Welcome, KD Time listeners. I have a very special guest with me. His name is Ricardo Martinez II, and he is going to talk to us about a book that he wrote called Imagine Seeing This. Is that Imagine? Imagine Listening. Imagine Listening. (laughs) I just heard it too. I was like, oh no. (laughs) Yes, it's called Imagine Listening, and um, we're going to talk about that and just get to know him a little bit. Um, say hello to the people, Ricardo. Hello, hello, everyone. Thank you for uh, for having me on. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. So uh, as a writer, I've talked to a few writers so far. And, you know, one of the questions that I love to ask writers is like, how did you, you know, get into writing? Like what brought you into um the book writing world and everything like were you always a writer and someone was just like hey you should definitely write a book or was it more so like you knew from a very young age after writing poetry after writing notes you're just like I want to be a writer that's all I want to do so what made you want to be a writer so I I would I guess I would start way in the beginning when I was when I was a kid so you know growing up I've always had kind of a uh I've always been kind of animated, I guess, kind of a jokester, prankster and everything, but also a a dreamer. And I I love movies and uh, I would just start writing stuff down, you know, things that seemed cool to me, I guess. And I would say I was probably around eight or nine. And so, wow, this is going back now. Cassette tapes. So (laughs) I, I had a kind of a collection of like these techno bass tapes. So it's basically like EDM music now, right? Uh, So I would listen to those and I would just kind of, you know, sit back and just kind of imagine all of the music and everything. So what I started doing, though, was some of the stuff that I was writing, I would match it to some of the songs. So I would have one tape player playing the music and another tape player, I would record myself reading with the music in the background, which is kind of a what a lot of people do today. So it started way back when I was a kid and I've just been basically writing ever since. Wow. That's, that's really cool. I mean, I don't know a whole lot of kids that would do that. Even like me growing up, I don't think I've ever thought to write or read to the music I was listening to. So that's pretty, 
pretty cool. And so now, you know, that makes sense where where your story, your book is called Imagine Listening. Uh, yes. You're just like, <laughs> imagination station, here we are. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So is this your, is this your first book you published? Yes. Yeah. So this is the first book uh, that I've published and, and it was actually through, it's not self-published. Um, it's actually through a uh, title town publishing and uh, it's, it, it's, it's actually been done for a couple of years. So imagine listening actually was created everything that I do now. I'll just say everything that I do now for a living, including this book started uh, from my time in dispatch. So I was an island dispatcher for 13 years and I started in Central Florida, and uh, you know the way that whole thing started. Um, I was was 19 years old. I left home, mm. I left my home state rather of Southwest Michigan, and I ended up going to visit family, visiting my mom, my grandmother, and my younger sisters. And I only planned on staying a couple weeks, and uh, once it got to about a month's time, my mom comes in and says, "You know, maybe you want to look for a job." And I thought, oh, <laughs> maybe that's that's a hint right there, right? Mom was telling me. She's like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's probably time. I was like, okay, I, I got the picture. So I'm looking for yeah. a job. And, you know, up until that point, I didn't have uh, any dispatch experience or anything. I didn't know what any of that um, entailed, like none of it. So at that point, all I had was retail management uh, under my belt. So that's what I was mm. looking for. But in central Florida and Polk County, there wasn't a lot of those types of jobs out there. So my mom ends up telling me, you know, your your cousin's uh, husband knows the chief of police and they were looking for dispatchers. And I just kind of staring at her like, OK. And she goes, you should try it. And I said, all right. I mean, what the heck? You know, let me let me try it. So I end up calling. I get an interview. I go in. And uh, after some grueling questions from the chief of police and the lieutenant, uh, the the interview's over. Now, what I mean by grueling, though, is because as I'm sitting there, the chief throws out questions and then the lieutenant builds on those questions. And it's just going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I'm thinking I'm awesome because I'm like keeping up with them. And yeah. it, you know, in my head, I'm thinking I'm awesome, right? So <laughs> I, I go through the whole thing. But, you know, kind of thinking about it now, what they were really doing was they were testing me. They wanted to see if mm. I would be able to handle all of the questions being thrown at me. You know, because when you're answering a 911 call, it's super fast, right? So there's right, it's an yeah. emergency. You've Every got all these counts. questions. Right, exactly. I'm throwing out questions. I'm getting those answers, trying to get help there as fast as possible. So they were testing me to see if I could handle the pressure. And mm. uh, I, I end up getting through the interview. But then two months pass. And I hadn't heard a word. So I thought, well, I guess I, I guess I wasn't as cool as I thought. <laughs> but, you know, one day the chief of police shows up and uh, at, at my house, actually. And, you know, my grandmother comes in and she starts yelling at me saying, the police are here. And then she throws out, what did you do? And I said, I, what? I'm like, I didn't do anything. And she goes, well, you need to go check. You need to go see what's going on. So I go out there and the, the chief says, hello. I say, hello. And I asked him what he was doing there. And uh, <laughs> what are you doing at my house? So he, he he starts chuckling and he goes, well, I just wanted to see if you still wanted the job. And I said, well, it's been a couple of months. Uh, I didn't think I got it. And he goes, well, you know, the background check takes forever. So do you want the job? Oh. Now, a lot of times, right, when there's a new, when you're getting a new job, you sometimes start the next week, right? Or even a couple of days later or something. So I asked him, I was like, do I start next week, Monday, or when do I start? And he goes, you start tonight. <gasps> and yes, yeah, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> how, what I did. <laughs> and, and I said, are you, are you serious? And, and he goes, well, you want the job, right? And I said, no, 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 I do. I just, I, I wasn't expecting that. And he goes, well, you start tonight. So it was, it was a, a 10 p.m. shift to 6 a.m. shift. My first shift was a midnight shift. And I, uh, I go in and my trainer shows me everything that's there in the police department. And then 911 goes off. 
and I sit down and I'm just watching him, you know, like, like something that you would see on TV, like some sort of national geographic or something where you're just in awe of what is going on. And uh, yeah. I, he's, he finishes the call. And I remember saying to him something like that was awesome or that was great or, or something. And he goes, well, you're next. And I said, what? Say that again. And he goes, you're next. And I remember, Gosh. I remember standing up and looking at him and I said, there, no, you're, oh, you're messing around. And he, and he just looks at me just straight on. You're next. And I said, there's nothing else. There's nothing else to this job. Now, this is 2001. Okay. This is 2001. And I'm asking mm -hmm. him this and he goes, listen, in order for you to do this job and, and really get into it, you have to do it. This is how you learn. You're learning on the job. And I, again, I thought mm -hmm. there's, there's got to be more to this. And he goes, there's a few things that you need to be a good dispatcher. One is to have thick skin. Two is to have common sense. And three, you need to be human. And I said, okay. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, so I'm, I'm sitting there, right. And I'm waiting for this call and I'm just like my, a little more information than probably people want to know, but my back was sweating super bad. Like That's how oh nervous I was because you know, th this is an emergency, right? I've never taken a call like this before. And right. so I'm waiting and then the phone rings. <gasps> Here it comes. And I answer, <laughs> you know, Frostproof 911, where's your emergency? And it was a butt dial. It was, it was a. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. The person goes, oh, I didn't mean to call. I, I apologize. And inside, I'm like, oh, thank the Lord. <laughs> but that was, that was my very, very first. 911 call that came in it was it was it was a misdial wow. and uh, i might you know my trainer's kind of chuckling at me he's like you're lucky i'm like oh thanks but <laughs> i yeah. i don't i don't remember taking any other calls the rest of that night because it, it, this was a small city okay so there's there's a grocery store a mcdonald's and two mm -hmm. traffic lights like it's a small city and, and and that's it so you know the call volume wasn't that much but mm -hmm. um that was my start. That's that's how it started wow. out. Was taking uh, calls like that. Now the following week or so, I did have a forty-hour beginners dispatching uh, like classes that I was taking. So okay, yeah, the whole week, you know, I'm I'm in there and they're teaching us different you know techniques for talking, and you know they they taught us something as well where, you know, when we're talking to people on the phone. When when someone calls in saying they saw something just happen and they're giving a description of a vehicle or a person of interest or anything like that, people see what they want to see, right? They, they, and right. So they, they see it, but it's whatever is in their head. And it might be completely wrong or there might mm -hmm. be some stuff that's completely right, right? It, it goes either way. So what happened, and, and, and I, I want to share this because it was just very interesting how they did it. So the instructor's talking to us. There's about 25 of us in this room and there's a knock at the door. And this gentleman walks right. in and the instructor goes, yeah, come, go ahead and come in. So he walks in and he walks in slow, going up to the front of the class. And he's looking at us as he's walking up. And I remember thinking, okay, what's this all about? And he hands something to the instructor. Now, he could have easily turned around and went right back the way he came, but he right. went all the way around the class slowly and was just kind of looking at people, smiling, saying hello, and then he left. And then the instructor continues talking about what we were just saying, and he goes, by the way, the person who was just in here, what was he wearing? And everyone starts looking around and so he was testing us. So, and he was proving yeah. a point. So everyone yeah. was giving a description. We were all wrong. And the guy was in there forever. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and he goes, I'm going to show you what he gave me. Now, again, this is 2001. So this is a Polaroid that, <laughs> that he had. And he, <laughs> he turns, he turns the picture over and it's, it, someone had taken a picture of the gentleman and everything that he was wearing. 
And he goes, oh. here, pass this around. And I remember we, yes, we were the exact same reaction. We were all laughing. We're like, heck no. Like he got us. Oh my God. But he was trying to prove this point that, you know, in, in an emergency situation or when mm-hmm. you're like kind of half paying attention, you might get some stuff right and you might not. And, and, and you have to be prepared for that when people are calling in. And, and that's one yeah. thing I will never forget never forget yeah. no i will never forget that because it was it was such a good lesson but um right. you know my time and dispatch continued and you know there's a there was a lot of hard calls that i had taken and a lot of good calls as well but when uh-huh. i moved back home to southwest michigan and i finished off my dispatch career uh it actually in the county that i grew up in a lot of different things started happening. So like my first suicidal call that I had taken, that one was in Florida. That one, it sticks with me. That was my first one that will always stick with me. And it's, it's been easier right since that beginning, because I talk about it and and I share it with people. But before that, I buried my calls. Like I never, we didn't talk about it. Not a lot of people were talking about it. And it's it's mainly because of even now, you know, in some places, that stigma of mental health. Like if you ask for help, what do you look like? You look weak, right? And nobody wants to look weak, right. which a lot of things have changed, right? A lot of things have changed. You even see commercials for, for different organizations saying, make sure to call or, you know, 988, yeah. make sure to call 988. So things are definitely different. But back then... Not a lot of people were talking about it. So I had hit a burnout stage. And and uh, all of this is is a buildup to this this book, Imagine Listening. Um I hit a burnout stage where just all the different calls, everything that was coming in and really not having someone to talk to, it was just uh-huh. weighing on me. And where uh-huh. I thought I was leaving it at work, I was just fooling myself. You know, I was I would come home. And I'm just kind of distant and trying to process all of these screams, all of these yells, people dying on the phone with me, people asking Uh for help or yelling at me saying, get them here as fast as you can. And sometimes you want to, you know, reach through the phone, especially if it's a child who's calling, you want to reach through the phone and and help them. Uh And and you can't because you're on the other side. And also you know, with, uh, trying to get closure, there's not a lot of closure that, uh, that we end up getting. So there was a lot of that that was going on. And in the midst of all of this, 2007, um, my grandmother ends up passing away Mm. and so she's in hospice care and I'm in dispatch. My family is with her at my aunt's house. And it had already been arranged for if she had passed away while I was in dispatch that I could leave and 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 be okay. with the family. So, yeah. It's about 3 in the morning or so and I was on backup phones and backup radios. I'm not the one who's taking all of the main phone calls. And my partner gets up and she says I'll I'll be right back. I'm I'm going to go to the break room and get something. And I said, yeah, sure, go ahead. And she goes, you sure you're all right? And I said, yeah, I'm fine. There's nothing going on anyway, which is almost like tempting it's, fate, right? But yeah, it's almost like a yeah. jinx, you know? <laughs> and yeah. uh, she goes into the break room. And as soon as the door shuts, the phone rings. And oh, the hair in the I back know. of my neck starts standing. And I saw the phone number on the screen. And it was my mom's cell phone number. And I, I pick up the phone and I say, you know, Allegan 911, where's your emergency? And it's my cousin. And she says, Richie? And I said, yeah. And she goes, Grandma just passed away. And I thought, what are the odds? Really, what are the odds that I would be the one to take that phone call? And I'm a firm believer that there's a lot of things that are especially in dispatch, there's a lot of phone calls that meant that are meant for us to take. And, and, and the reason for that is, is, you know, maybe we know the person or maybe we have an experience that 
my partners might not have, that I would be able to help out that caller better than they could. Um, just because I have that experience, not that they couldn't do a good job, they would do a great job. But because I have that experience, I would be able to do it a, a bit better. So right. I felt like that was meant for me, but also it was poetic in a way. And the reason I say that is because before my siblings and I were born, my grandmother had lived with my parents. So she was literally there in the beginning when I was born. So it was meant to be that I would be there for her at the end when she passed away. Yeah. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I didn't expect to tear up tonight, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wow. I can't imagine taking that kind of phone call at your job, you know. In this in the space that you were doing that, so did you did you leave after that? Like after the phone call, you got to leave. Yeah, after the phone call, you know, I I put the phone down. You know, I go through all the motions and everything. Put the phone down, hang up, and my my coworker uh, and also my supervisor at the time, because I wasn't the supervisor uh, yet. I hadn't gotten a promotion, uh, but. She says to me, are, are you okay? And I said, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm the best that uh, I'm going to be given the situation right now. And, and the good right. thing too, though, is that my supervisor, her and I had actually grown up together. We went to high school together yeah. and we've known each other our entire lives. So it was interesting that her and I would end up on the same team working in a yeah. dispatch center. I would have never in a million years thought that, but it was, I, mm -hmm. I guess, just meant to be, right? So I end up leaving. Right. And um, I, I go to my aunt's house. Uh, my brother was with me. We go to my aunt's house, and there's some officers that are standing outside. And they said, hey, man, you mm -hmm. know, I'm really sorry. And, you know, we've been here with your family just waiting for you to get here. And I said, oh, you know, thank you for, for that. I appreciate it. And then just walking in and having that moment. And, you know, it. It, it wasn't until probably last month. So my, uh, my aunt, my, this would be the eldest, um, of the, the sisters of my mom's sisters. She passed away, mm -hmm. uh, last month and my son and I had gone to go and, and, and be with family and everything, be with my mom. She was in Michigan at the time. I'm, I'm here in Indiana and we stopped my the cemetery where my grandmother is, is buried and we were standing there <laughs> yeah. and we're looking down and you know my son's tearing up and I'm tearing up as well just because you know we miss her in general and the craziest yeah. thing happened there was and I can't even explain it but we're standing there and this cool breeze goes by and there hadn't been a breeze while we were standing there in the beginning and it just happened to go by and behind her headstone, this butterfly comes up and just flies slowly in between us. And I thought, wow. I was like, what a moment. And uh, I'm just looking at my son and he's looking at me. And I said, I feel like she's here with us. And he goes, yeah, me too. And it dawned on me that, you know, my grandmother was a great storyteller. And mm. I feel like all of this happened as well almost like a, a passing of the torch, kind of like she passed it down to me to to help not only sharing my stories, but to assist others in sharing theirs. So it made sense. And I remember standing there and I just said to myself, I understand. Now I understand now. And okay. uh, so then, you know, throughout that time and dispatch, throughout that burnout and everything, what I ended up doing was I went back to school. Which was nuts because the time that I was working in dispatch, I mean, I was working 12-hour days. Now, oh. here's the thing. It, and this was 4.30 in the afternoon to like 4.30 in the morning. And mm -hmm. if someone called in for one of the shifts, it would turn into a 16-hour shift. And... <laughs> Right. Yes. 16 hour shift. And then um, the the longest shift I ever worked was 18 hours in dispatch. The only really good thing, of course, was that, you know, the people that I was working with, but um, I was getting, uh, I think it was like double time and a half. So the money was good. 
but it wasn't like <laughs> I, I would have rather been with my family, you know, <laughs> but I was yeah, also, absolutely. I was also there with my, my second family, you know, the, everyone that was there. And then anybody who was calling in, you know, I was, that was, that was my calling. That's what I was there to do. So, you know, I, I end up going back to school because I was trying to figure out through this burnout, like how, how do I pull myself out of this? And mm-hmm. what, what do I do to kind of get these stories out? Because I, I, I wasn't sure how to do it. So I ended up um, just doing online college and I ended mm. up getting three different degrees while I was there. And during my, my bachelor's program for graphic design, they introduced us to digital storytelling. Now, the project that we were supposed to do was share some sort of story with music and narrative and either still pictures or animation. And I chose still pictures. And I had been playing around with the idea of sharing dispatch stories. And, and the reason, though, too, was because just for example, I would go get my hair cut. OK. And, okay. you know, people, they uh, when when you're there. When you're getting your hair done, there's the small talk, right? So that's not awkward. <laughs> there's the small talk. Right, yeah. And so it, the the question, the main question always is, so what do you do for a living? And I would think, mm-hmm. do I do I tell them? Do I do I say? Because then the question that's gonna come out is what's the worst call you've ever taken? Or what's the craziest call you've ever taken? And in the beginning, right, I would yeah. think, Oh man, that's that kind of sucks, you know, because I don't want to relive that. But right. then, you know, I start to realize it just people don't know what it is that we do there in dispatch. That's so true. instead of feeling that way, why not flip that mindset and turn this into public education? Mm-hmm. And so okay. when when people would ask, I would tell them. Now, I wouldn't go into, you know, any crazy detail or anything like that, but I would <laughs> I would tell them enough. So that they would yeah. know what it was that we were doing, that we're not just there answering the phone, that even though we're calm, cool, and collected, in the back of our minds, yeah. we're freaking out there with you as well because we're empaths. We put ourselves in your shoes to be able to understand exactly what's going on, to get that information really fast, and, and, mm-hmm. and to get it out to the, those people who are going to help my caller. So yeah. that sticks with us. But it's our job, right, to remain calm. And keep the caller calm. So I would tell people, you know, this is what we do. If I put you on hold for any reason, it's not because I don't want to take your call. It's because your emergency isn't the only emergency that's going on. I could be taking three or four calls at the same time, going back and forth, going like triage style on each one of them while still answering the radio, typing in all the information and listening to everything else that's going on in the room to answer fast, yet still type it into the program so that people can see it. And maybe right. all of that at the same time, I might be taking a bite to eat or something because I don't get a chance to stand up. <laughs> so right, yeah, you're stuck, you're stuck to the desk. <laughs> right, exactly. So there's there's so much that goes into it. So I just started telling people. So, you know, fast forward to this class and... Mm-hmm. This is 2010. It's the very first version of what I do now. And I had two coworkers uh, help me out with this. And what I wanted them to do, I recorded their audio. And uh, Uh. what I wanted them to do was to tell me how they got into dispatch, their worst call, their best call, and why they, Uh. why do they do what they do? Uh And I did get an A on the project, <laughs> which was awesome. I was like, all Good right, job. yeah, thank you. Uh, but um, the, the the bigger thing here was that, man, I think I got something here. And, yeah. uh, and, and you know, the professor and the my classmates were blown away. They had no idea. So they mm-hmm. all there was also blogging that they wanted us to do. So I started a blog. And that is where I started writing all of my stories. So the writing and everything started coming in again through school and from the time that I was a kid all the way till, you know, dispatch to those moments, I started writing about my calls. Now, I'd been told by administration, no, don't do it. We don't want you to write (laughs) about it because we don't want to get sued. 
And I would tell, right, I, I yeah. told them, look, I was a part of that call as well. The only part that I'm going to share is my side oh. so that people understand okay. more of what it's like. And I was told no again. And I, and so I, I go to leave the office and then I remembered something because at this time I'm now mm -hmm. a supervisor and I go back into the office and I said, hold on. Didn't you tell us last week in the supervisor meeting that you're not allowed to regulate our feelings online? And they said, well, yeah. And I said, that's all I needed. And the, <laughs> the person goes, you're still going to do it, aren't you? And I said, mm-hmm. Yes, yep. I am. Yes, I am. And, and, and here we are because I, I started continue. I started writing about it and you know yeah. what happened? I felt better. It was therapeutic. Mm. It was therapeutic for me to write about my calls and put it into the perspective of me being the person taking those calls, that those things stick with me. And that, you know, after a, a hard 12 hour shift, when I'm going home, because I, I lived about 45 minutes away from dispatch, sometimes mm -hmm. I would listen to music the whole way home. But there would be other times where I would drive home in silence, mm. playing back those mm. calls, playing back and playing back and just messed up. You know, sometimes going home and hugging my kid uh, tight enough to where he would wince like, <laughs> and I would go, oh, I'm, I'm hugging you too tight. But, you know, my Too kid, tight, Dad. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Like, ease up, Pops. Ease up. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, he would ask me, like, what's what's wrong? Are you okay? And I would just say, you know, it was a hard day at work is all. But what he didn't know yeah. was that, you know, I was I was helping out a mom give CPR to her mm. infant and the infant didn't make it or, you know, something like that. And, and that sticks with me because... Then you start thinking, well, was there anything else I could have done? Was there, what if I would have done this? But there isn't. And, and you just, you just continue on. The hard part too, is that when you're taking these calls, you don't always get a chance to step away to take a breather. You just go right mm, to the next one. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it just stacks on and stacks on. So, you know, I'm, I'm still writing, you know, and, and writing all of this stuff out and, and people are reading it and they're really getting into it. And that mm -hmm. blog was called Within the Trenches because I, I remember one night I was in dispatch and it was just crazy and they're super busy, super loud. And I just had a moment to look up over my cube <laughs> and, mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and take it all in. And I remember thinking to myself, like, God, I, you know, I feel like I'm in some sort of war zone. I feel like I'm in, you know, within the trenches of like 911 or something. And I remember yeah. there was that moment where I thought, yeah, that's kind of a cool name. Maybe I'll use it one day. And that's what I named the blog was within the trenches. And, and it was all mm -hmm. about my time, about my calls and other people. I had other people writing as well. Well, then during my master's program uh, in new media journalism, they introduced us to podcasting. And I thought, now that would be a way. Now, this is 2012. And I had started building yeah. it and building it and building. And then 2013 was when I fully launched Within the Trenches, uh, the podcast. It was Within the Trenches, True Stories from the Nyon Dispatchers Who Live Them. And mm -hmm. I was bringing dispatchers on to tell their stories because I thought, man, if this is therapeutic for me, Maybe it'll be therapeutic for them as well. And uh, uh -huh. local news got a, a, got a hold of it and a local newspaper got a hold of it. And they're like, this is very interesting. You know, you're pulling the curtain back of stuff that we didn't know. You know, a lot of people, again, yeah. just thought you just answered the phone. That's it. Nope. There's way more to it. <laughs> there's way <laughs> more to it. So, you know, I, I, I yeah. spent the rest of that time, you know, going through dispatch. But what I didn't realize was that about six months or so after I had launched the podcast that I would be leaving dispatch and I would end my oh. dispatch career because there was a company yeah. that, uh, that we, it was a 911 solutions company based here in Indiana, which is why I live here now. <laughs> they, uh, <laughs> they ended up plucking me out of dispatch. They found me through the podcast and because wow. of my like technical background, my 911 background and everything, they wanted to bring me into kind of like the private side of 911 as what's known as a as an industry partner. So they supported the podcast. But here's the thing too though, when when I went to leave dispatch, 
I, it took me a few weeks to decide because I felt like I was betraying my coworkers. I felt like I was betraying my team and they ended up telling me, you know, basically, you know, whatever you're going to end up doing. And if you continue to do the podcast and everything that's been doing a lot for us already and getting us the recognition that we don't ever get, you're Mm -hmm. not only going to be helping us, but you're going to be helping nine on one as a whole. And, uh, you know, I ended up leaving, but my last night in dispatch ended up being, (laughs) yeah, it ended up being a 16 hour shift. It was only supposed to be a 12 hour shift. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. In true (laughs) dispatch form, it ended up being an overtime shift, but here's the reason why though, too, is because, so I ended up working a 1 PM to 1 AM shift and I I wanted to work with the morning team and say my goodbyes and then Mm -hmm. work with my team to close it out. So the person who was supposed to relieve me at 1 a.m. called in and I ended up volunteering for the overtime. I wanted to finish the shift with Mm. my team. And so I switched from phones to radios and there's about 40 or so minutes left. And I'm sitting on radios Uh and I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to say for my goodbye as my last transmission on the radio. And Uh I look over at my, I'm talking to my coworkers at the time, my team. And I said, you know, out of all of these years in dispatch, there's only one call that I've never taken before. And one of my coworkers goes, dude, don't, don't say it because you're going to put it out there in the universe (laughs) and you're going to jinx yourself. And I said, no. I said, with the amount of time that is left, there's no way, there's no way that this type of call would come in. So oh boy, they're like, okay, what, what call <laughs> is it? And I said, it's a medical where I would have to translate Spanish. And they're like, oh, oh that's boy. crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And <laughs> so it's getting closer to the end of our shift, the end of my dispatch career. And the phone rings and I, oh, I'm oh, getting boy. goosebumps. I'm getting goosebumps. Now <laughs> the phone yeah. rings and I look over at my coworker and she goes, I told you. And I said, no, I said, there's no way there's no, there's no way. And I hear my partner on the other side on the phone and she starts, she starts saying, un momento, un momento. I was like, what? So <laughs> yeah. And I thought, no way Th- this cannot be happening. And, and I hear her oh put the gosh. phone down and I thought, oh, these guys were all just messing with me because, you know, we can message back and forth with the officers. And I thought maybe one of them sent something and, you know, an officer called in to like set this whole thing up. And yeah. my partner goes and she's laughing. And I was like, man, you guys <laughs> had me there for a moment. And she goes, no, I'm 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 laughing because I can't believe this is happening right now. You need to take the call. <laughs> They're speaking Spanish. I was like, no. So I quickly pick up the phone. And sure enough, it ends up being a medical where I had to translate in Spanish. (laughs) All I could think in my in the back of my head as all of this is going on is no way. Mm -hmm. Like the dispatch (laughs) gods or the dispatch universe, whatever it was, was like, bro, it's going to (laughs) happen. And it was happening. We're gonna send you out, right? Right. Yes. Yes. Exactly. They just booted me out with the call. So what? So yeah. What it ended up being was uh, so this guy was visiting a friend, and they had a party, mm-hmm. and I don't know how many people were there, but the snoring was was loud. So they're all <laughs> intoxicated and passed out, and he woke up yeah. in in a panic. He was having trouble breathing. But he didn't know where he was. He didn't know the address or anything. Luckily, the area that he was in was actually an area that I used to, that I grew up in and and visiting the area all the time. So I knew exactly where he was at and were able to get an ambulance out there and an officer too. And uh, he was, he was having a panic attack, but there was no transport. He ended up being fine. And they checked him out and they didn't transport him or anything. But still, I get off the phone and I thought, no way. Like, like that is that is nuts. Like, I I can't believe that. So, you know, that 
that happens. And, you know, I do my, my last transmission, which, you know, I actually have my, one of my coworkers took video of it. And so I'll always nice. have that. And I ended up leaving dispatch and now I'm, I'm working on the private side. Fast forward to 2016 mm. And there's these two big organizations that are trying to reclassify 911 dispatchers into the protective class because okay. the Office of Management and Budget, there are different classes that they're, you know, like jobs, job classifications. Mm -hmm. Well, 911 dispatchers are actually under the clerical class with like administration, um, admin personnel, executive assistants as well as commercial dispatchers like, you know, taxis, trucking, you know, all of that. And mm -hmm. in the protective class is, you know, police, fire, EMS, um, waste management dispatchers are in there as well. And so we're like, how come, you know, we're not there. So these organizations are, are trying like every 10 years, these classifications come up to be redone. So they were trying to do this for dispatch back then. And there's, they still are mm -hmm. now, but what they were looking for, one of the things they were looking for were stories. And I had already mm -hmm. been sharing stories for a while. So I thought, I think I'm going to try to help out and, and kind of raise awareness for this issue. And let's just see what happens. And so, but I wanted to do it dispatch style. I wanted it to be raw and in your face. What I wanted to do was give just a glimpse of a phone call. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I, I put it on a picture. So I created a meme and the okay. first story that I put out there was one of my calls, of course. And what it said was, I heard your last breath the night you flipped your four wheeler. And underneath I put hashtag I am nine one one. And I posted it on the podcast page on Facebook. And I asked other dispatchers to do the same thing. And mm -hmm. it exploded. I called it the I am 911 movement. I wanted yeah. others to share. Now, what started out as a way to raise awareness for reclassification quickly turned into peer support because what I found out was that a lot of dispatchers that were sharing these stories felt alone. And mm. by reading a lot of these mm -hmm. stories, they no longer felt alone. They also had an outlet to anonymously share their calls. One person I remember specifically yeah. said, my hands are still shaking from typing out this story, but I feel so much better. Thank you. And it just exploded where all of these stories were being shared to the point where people in the UK were sharing with I am 999. And then in Australia, mm. dispatchers out there were sharing with I am triple zero. And it was, it was almost like all the dispatchers of the world came together to share these stories to show the difference between commercial dispatchers and emergency dispatchers. Yeah. And what I wanted to do was to share these stories on the podcast, but I also created a uh, session at different public safety conferences mm -hmm. called Imagine Listening. Because what I wanted people to do by reading or hearing these stories was to do just that. Imagine listening a call like this. And the mm -hmm. reason I, I worded the stories the way I did was because to me, it's another form of communication. I'm never going to meet Absolutely. those people who called in. However, if they were able to, to read that story or, you know, someone who had dealt with something in a similar fashion, they would know that they were not alone. I was the one that was there yeah. with them. They were, they had someone there with them throughout that entire time, no matter what the outcome was. And there were other people who were sending in stories that called in and there were callers mm -hmm. and they were sending stories saying, if it wasn't for this dispatcher, I would have committed suicide or I would have pulled this trigger. Mm -hmm. And they were saying thank you to dispatchers. So that's where this book comes from because I, I wanted to put these stories out there more. And that session at conferences that I've been doing since 2017 now, what mm -hmm. I do is I have dispatchers come in and they share their personal story. So for the first 30 minutes, we share these hard calls, even some saves. We save, save or we share saves as well. But the last 30 minutes mm. of the Imagine Listening session is called Open Mic. And that is where we mm. share all the funny stories 
all the funny calls that come in because <laughs> dispatch 911 isn't all bad. There's a lot of bad, but there's some good yeah. in there as well. There's the saves and then there's the funny stuff. And and these are part of the podcast as well. But mm-hmm. I always have to make it clear that the funny part, it's we're not no one's making fun of any callers or anything like that. It's the situation yeah. itself that like when people call right yeah when people call in and just for example you know one of my partners took a call once where this elderly gentleman called in and he's freaking out because there is a naked guy on stilts walking back and forth in front of his living room and this is not making fun of that elderly (laughs) gentleman this is laughing right laughing at the situation right because you end up thinking is this real life and it is. <laughs> the person ended up leaving by the time an officer got there because the, an officer was kind of far away, but they were getting there as fast as they could. And you could just imagine, you know, the person on stills like, like taken off. <laughs> but <laughs> the area where this person's house was, was close to a college. So they, they have a, they oh, thought that oh, maybe okay. it was you know, uh, something that they were doing, like initiation or, yeah, or yeah. you know, some college thing. So, you know, it's stuff like oh, that. Boy. So, so that, that session starts <laughs> out, you know, emotionally intense. However, we end with laughter because laughing is good medicine. And, uh, you know, okay. a lot of times it's just stuff that happens, but we leave that session feeling a lot better. And I think one of the best parts of that session is hearing people talking to each other. And sharing their right. stories even more and people just feeling better. I've been doing it ever since. So now in this book, Imagine Listening, there's hard calls, there's saves, and then there's the calls from those thinking dispatch. There's a lot of different stories, but this is book one in a series of books that highlight these I Am 901 stories. But there is, yeah. there's definitely a lot of, uh, you know, funny that happens in 911 as well. I believe you. I mean, I know that like I've seen a lot of things, but I come from a generation slash culture, you know, where in New York, because I'm from New York, Mm -hmm. but in New York, they have everywhere. See something, say something. Yes. But I can guarantee you, (laughs) I can guarantee you that it's very, very rare that people say something. (laughs) And I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot. I just, sometimes I just don't. Like, they don't seem like, oh, I should call 911 about this. You know what I mean? Like, I, right. just, I don't think about it. But now, now I can because you guys might appreciate the funniness <laughs> of what I might see. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, the, the interesting <laughs> thing, though, is that it seems to come in when we've had a bunch of hard calls. And I can't even explain it. Like, I would have stacked back to back to back to back hard calls. And then out of nowhere, mm-hmm. a call will come in and and it'll it'll break up the chaos. And after the call, I'm thinking, thank you. I, like, I needed that. You know, wherever that came from, I needed that. And, yeah. uh, you know, I remember a phone call coming in once and I hear these two uh, these two guys on the phone. It's, it's just an open line. They can't hear me. And but I keep saying, yeah. hello, can you hear me? Can you hear me? And they're in the background arguing about a video game. They, they, they were teenagers. Oh, they were arguing about, yeah. uh, at this time, I think it was like Halo 3 or something that had come out or something. And they're like, man, you can't get the Halo game to work. Like, we need to play this. Like, I want to play this game already. <laughs> and I'm trying not to laugh, right? Because all of the phone calls are recorded. And, <laughs> right. and if someone were to call in and you hear me like, ha, 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 you know, Ricardo, what were you doing? Why were you laughing? Like, well, I, I don't know what to say. I, I apologize. But <laughs> so I'm just saying, you know, hello, can you hear me? Can you hear me? And and they end yeah. up hanging up. Now, when someone hangs up, we have to automatically call back just to make sure call everything is yeah. okay. So I call back and one of the guys picks up the phone and he says, you know, hello. And I'm like, hey, this is, you know, Ricardo with Allegan 911. I just got a hang up call from your cell phone. Are you guys okay? And he says, I didn't call you. And I said, <laughs> okay. And I said, well, I mean, is this your phone number? And he goes, yeah. How did you get it? I said, you called 911. And, and he goes, I'm telling you, I did not call. And I said, okay, I, it, it's all, all right. All right. 
you know, don't, you don't have to get upset. I was just calling you back to make sure just you're checking. okay. So you're okay, right? And he goes, yeah, man, we're fine. I'm, I'm fine. Everything is fine. And I said, okay, um, I'll go ahead and let you go. But hold on just one moment. Were you guys able to get the Halo game working? <laughs> and and the guy goes, oh, snap, man, he hurt us. <laughs> and he's like, I'm sorry, sir. And I was like, no, it's all right. I just wanted to make sure your game was okay. <laughs> so... <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, so you know, it's 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 stuff like that, you know, that that happens yeah. and you know, you just you just gotta roll with it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's wow. I, I, wow. I definitely I, I miss it. You know, there's a lot that I don't yeah. miss, but there's some of the stuff like of that, you know, that I that I definitely miss. And uh mm-hmm. I'll always have those, you know, as as memories. And you know, one call that I can give you too that is, is one that that I will never forget. And it's actually, there's a piece of it that I physically have with me. So early on okay. in my dispatch career, when I had moved back to Southwest Michigan, I took this call from a mom who was just hysterical. She's freaking out. And I'm, I'm trying to, to ask her her address. Like I have to verify the information that's on the screen. Because if you don't, you know, and you send somebody out there and it turns out to be the wrong address, that's not good. So I'm I'm trying to verify the information. And when someone is on the phone and and they're just yelling and yelling, like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I can't believe, you know, that that's going on and really loud. No matter what volume my voice is like at, you know, normal level and up at that level and, and mm-hmm. up, if I try to raise my voice, I'm just like background noise. The person knows, like they can hear, but they're not really registering it. So one of the things I was taught early on is you can bring your voice down to almost a whisper. And it kind of tricks the person to think, is there somebody there? So I did. Brought my voice down. And she goes, hello, hello, hello. And that's my cue. I jump in and I start asking all these questions. So what happened was this is wintertime. And Mm -hmm. again, this is Southwest Michigan. And all of her kids were sledding down this hill. They were competing with each other. They they wanted to see who could get the furthest. Well, the youngest. Like kids do. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. <laughs> who can be the best? So the uh, the youngest is actually the one who ends up winning, the youngest daughter. She gets the furthest. Okay. However, she ends up sliding onto a pond and is in the middle of a pond. And it's thin ice and they can't get to her. So that's why mom is freaking out. So I'm keeping her as calm as possible. Help is already headed that way. And at the end of it, you know, she says, thank you. And I hang up with her. You know, I tell her to go, you know, fire an EMS police. Everybody's there. Go with them and stuff. So get off the phone and I'm just sitting there and I'm just waiting and waiting to hear something over the radio. And then they key up. Mm And I hear, we got her, we got her. I'm like, oh, thank the Lord they got her. So such a happy moment. Well, then about a week later, uh, it's the weekend. And uh, again, this is early on, so I'm not supervisor at the time. So my supervisor ends up saying, so I'm reading the newspaper. Who took this call? And immediately everyone was, "Uh, why is it in the newspaper? So, you know, (laughs) because... You don't know, right? So I'm I'm kind of like sweating, you know, on my forehead. And I said, what what call was Your it? Your back. Yeah, 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 my back. Yeah, <laughs> sweating down my back and everything, just like in the beginning. <laughs> um, she ends up telling me about this call. And I said, that was my call. I said, why is it in the newspaper? And she goes, the family took out an ad and they thanked dispatch. And they thanked everyone who went out there and saved their daughter. And I remember just sitting there. Oh, I'm going to get emotional a little bit here. But uh, those are the things that remind you mm-hmm. that, you know, you're, you're in the place that you're supposed to be, that you're helping, and that it actually makes a difference. Because in dispatch, you don't always get that. You don't always know. You don't know the impact or the ripples that are caused from the calls that you take. The outcome, you don't always get that. And she asked me if I wanted it. And I said, yes. So she she cut it out. Of course. I I still have it today. 
Yeah. That's so great. Oh my goodness. Wow. Oh my gosh. That's, that's something. Well, first, I mean, you said so many things, but first I wanted to say condolence, my condolences to your aunt and your grandmother. Thank you. Um, and, and secondly, you know, uh, I was just going to ask, like, what would you normally do? Cause like, I know that you said you would, you would sometimes drive in silence or you drive with music on and then you'd come and you'd hug your son. Um, but what were some other ways that you would like mentally kind of decompress? Like, how did you, you know, how did you still have a life outside of yeah. that? So one of the, one of the things that I would do, and, and actually, if I could go back in time to talk to myself in the beginning with everything that I know now, mm-hmm. I would tell myself to one, get into meditation earlier and two, get into mm-hmm. yoga earlier, which sounds weird, but there's, there's a reason it for does. that. And I'll, I'll yeah, <laughs> there's a reason. And I'll, I'll tell you here in just a moment because the meditation and so this was like the last year and a half was when I really got into this and the meditation part of it, the breathing techniques would keep me calm. And, and that's what mm-hmm. I started doing. But like before that, you know, like I said in the beginning, I was just bearing these calls and it was just eating at me. And then I started sharing these calls and that's what was therapeutic was actually sharing them, writing. And that's how I would decompress was that or just mm. listening to some music or something or even playing, you know, like Legos with my kids or video games. You know, that's that's how I would decompress. Yeah. But the meditation part, those breathing techniques, what they would do is and for those who are listening to this right now, now I it didn't do it to the point where I was like falling asleep on the phone. That's not how that works. <laughs> I would I would be on the phone, you know, doing what I was doing, but breathing like these breathing techniques would keep me calm and and grounded mm. so that I could take these calls and everything. And then after the call, if I had a moment, I would continue those breathing techniques just to kind of center myself. Now, the okay. the yoga part of that, there was a time in dispatch where I was suffering from like excruciating back pain, shoulder pain, mm. neck pain to the point where it was going into my temples and my eyeballs. Like that's how bad it was. I would go to the doctor and the doctor would say, I, I don't know what to do for you. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what else to do. At one point, the doctor's saying you're really stressed out and you just, you need to find a way to not be so stressed out, especially at work. And I said, do you know right. what I do for a living? And the doctor goes, no, I, I guess I don't. I don't, I don't know what you do. What do you do? And I said, I'm a 911 dispatcher. And he goes, oh, well, yeah, I guess you can't really be that less stressed then. I was like, yeah, thanks for that. But (laughs) (laughs) yeah. So what I ended up doing was, you know, I had been, you know, my wife was always doing yoga and stuff. She's like, you should try it. And I would say, no, I'm not going to do it because I was afraid. But I, what yeah. I mean by afraid was that I was going to do a pose wrong. You know, someone was going to make fun of me or whatever. It was oh. all in my own head. And, and I needed to yeah. get out of that. So I finally did yoga. And one session, all of that pain went away. It was the craziest mm. thing. So I continued practicing it and practicing it. And one day I get a phone call from someone. And she's suicidal. And she's telling me that she's been suffering from excruciating back pain and neck pain. And I thought, wow. She didn't know months before that I had been dealing with the same thing. So I went to that human side. Everybody's already headed out there, right? And and when when you have help going already, you need to, when you're talking to folks, especially when they call like this, you keep their mind off of what it was that they were originally calling about as much as you can. You know, there, of course, there are some people who just call and they just, they do it right there. But this person, I was talking to her and I told her everything that I just told you. And by the Mm -hmm. end of the phone call, help was there. She said, thank you. And she said that she no longer wanted to commit suicide because now there was another path. There was another way. And I hung up the mm. phone and I thought, wow, I never expected that. And I always say this and I will continue to say it when I share this story. For all I know, yeah. that person is like a, a yoga instructor somewhere. You know, I, I don't know. But <laughs> I like to think so, right? But also, yeah. every time I practice yoga, I think of that person. 
we still have that connection. Mm. But that's how it yeah. would decompress. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's that's good. I mean, it didn't make sense at first, the yoga thing, but that would make sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just, you just got to explain. You know? Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, so, okay. So, um, you talked about hashtag I am 911 and the movement and within the trenches. So, you know, imagine listening where can you find you? How do we, you know, get connected? Uh, either like if you have TikTok, Instagram, yes. what have you, like, yeah, tell us about that. Sure. So you can find me on, if you just simply go to uh, links.co slash WTT podcast, and that's links, but with two I's. So it's L-I-I-N-K-S dot C-O slash WTT podcast. And that's basically like my bio page. So That'll send you to where you can email me. Uh, you can find me on, on TikTok, Instagram, all the social media platforms. It's either, you know, at 91podcast or at WTT podcast. You'll be able to find me. And then there are links there okay. as well where you can purchase the book, Imagine Listening. Again, that's from Titletown Publishing. Thank you to them very much. And uh, you can find the book on Amazon, mm -hmm. Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, Target, and Walmart. Like, you can order it from any retailer. And it's been... It's been doing very well and just very eye-opening for those who don't mm -hmm. know a lot about dispatch, but end up reading the types of calls that people end up taking and, and how it is for them and how it sticks with them. Wow. That's great. All right. Great. You guys heard that. Okay. I hope you heard it. I mean, <laughs> anyways, so, <laughs> well, thank you so much, Ricardo, for coming on and you know, sharing your story and sharing so, so intimately your, 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 your experience and the way that you kind of, I could tell you are a writer because the way you tied in everything, I was just like, Oh, I'm going to be following this story. Like this story is like, <laughs> whoop, whoop, you know what I mean? Yeah. I was just like, Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, no, this is, this was really good. And I'm glad that you were able to come on KD time. And I do hope that I can, if you're still running within the trenches, I would mm -hmm. love to to get on there. Uh, I don't know what I would talk about because I don't do ditch bash, but <laughs> I would love to come on. Just yeah, that because. would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that that concludes our time for today. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share, Ricardo? Yeah, just, you know, thank you very much. And, uh, you know, I, I appreciate it. It's been an honor to be uh, on your show. And, you know, there's there's a lot more to dispatch than than what people think. We're not just answering the phone. Those calls stick with us. And I just feel honored and humbled that I, I get a chance to help share all of these stories literally around the world. It's It's been an excellent experience. Right. So thank you for giving me the opportunity. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you again. It's true because I think I said this in an earlier podcast of my own where I was just kind of like, you really don't know how many different jobs are out there. And I don't think about like 911 dispatch as a job. Like when I was a kid going to school and the teachers would only tell you about so many jobs, but like there's so many jobs, you know what I mean? Yeah. So to actually meet someone on the opposite side, because we see the police. The police are in our face. Uh, right. But the ones that we got to call, <laughs> the ones we got to call, it, there was a, just a different type of um, animal, different type of environment. So once again, thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you for coming on the show. And uh, yeah, I hope you have a great rest of your day. All right. Thank you. You as well. Thank you so much, guys, for listening to this episode. Thank you so much for listening to KD Time. I really do appreciate it. I hope that you were able to learn something new and also just enjoy the conversation that I had with Richard. It was a, it was an absolute joy to have him on the show and he has like perfect comedian timing and then he has moments where he, where he definitely made me like tear up and just feel for him and feel you know the emotions of what it means to be a 911 dispatcher. I have been watching The Rookie you know, the story, the, the TV show with Nathan Fillion, I've just been sort of binging that show. And it's an interesting concept to like, know that some of some stories are like, really 
hard to picture and not alone hard to picture, but just hard to like take those certain calls. And, you know, we have to take into account that, uh, when you're, when you're dealing with stuff and you call 911, like they're not always able to process things as, as like right then and there, they have to literally take what you said, pass that information along, and then pick up the next call. And it just, it gives you an idea of what it's like for, for them, for those people that take those kinds of calls and have to make certain decisions based on that call. And the movement, the I am 911 movement and how it expanded all across the U.S. and into international, internationally where you know, people in the UK are, are sending in their stories. It's a really good movement. And I think you guys should check it out. You should check out his book, Imagine Listening, you know, it's, and his podcast as well. Like you should check out this guy. He's really, really about what he's doing. And I'm, again, I'm really grateful that he was able to come on the show. As for the next episode on the next episode of KD time, I'm going to have another guest on with me. And this time we're going to talk more about what it's like to sit at a desk and what that means. Like, so I'm a nine to five worker. I work in an office and I sit at my desk pretty much all day. If I don't get up, if I don't have to move, you know, then I could be sitting here for several hours and that's not so good for, for me personally. And I don't think it's good for you. If you are someone that sits at your desk all the time, nine to five, if you don't move too much, like, yeah, I go to the bathroom or whatever. But the point is, is that the next guest I have on Sammy, she will explain and talk about what good tips and tricks you can use in order to keep your body mobile, to keep your blood flowing, and to just make sure you're doing little exercises to keep everything working the way it's supposed to be. So you're not going home with a a tired back or a weird crick in the neck because of the way you've been sitting in your desk or you know you get your flexibility with your with your wrists and everything it's a really great conversation and i can't wait for you guys to hear that on the next katie time podcast once again this is katie time you could find me on all my social media you could go to linktree slash kd time i'm on tiktok i'm on instagram i'm on twitter facebook whatever you name it. I'm on every podcast platform I could think of that you could think of. And I'm just so excited for you guys to hear that next episode. So with that being said, I'll catch you on the next one. Deuces.